We're live. Oh, hi. We're live. Oh, shit. Oh, so much pressure. Um, hello, listeners, if there are any of you. Uh, um, this is a podcast currently without a name, although we will probably have a name if you're listening to this and you can you can see it on the on that app of yours but we don't know what it is yet um but it's gonna be a podcast where me and my good me peter and my good friend zach talk about um something that we might do in a couple years uh which is move out to basically the middle of nowhere and start our own alternative society um which is by no stretch a novel thing. It's been done many times before, um, but we're hoping that we can bring some fresh perspective to the concept and uh, and have a successful little experiment slash actual living situation if it, if it goes well. Uh, so yeah, this podcast is going to be talking about uh, what we want it to look like, um, this first episode is just going to be talking about kind of our ideology behind it, our motivations, and and the perspectives that we will be bringing to the society. Um, but future episodes, we'll be talking more details, um, like job setup and education and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, do you yeah. want to say a few words? As Pete said, uh, there is two of us. Uh, my name is Zach. I am his co-host, co-member of the podcast, and or the brainchild that is the yet-to-be-named idea, I guess. We don't really have a name for the society, the, the society or the podcast, anything. Names are tough. Those can be done. Usually I name my essays when I'm done them. So, um, But yeah, basically, the idea is to get out of Dodge, as it were, and... As Pete mentioned, this isn't really a novel idea. I'm actually reading a book. I'm reading Walden right now, and if there's going to be one guy that did it first, it was probably him in the whole idea of getting off-grid and living away from society. And it's not because I hate society. It's because I don't want to live my life any way other than the way I want it, and that's really hard to do in society when a lot of the structures and formats and ideologies and everything that goes along with society goes not directly but a lot of the times right in the face of what i want to accomplish or things like that so the idea would be to live deliberately and live in a manner that not only is fulfilling but also uh something that at the end of the day or the end of my life i can i can lay on my deathbed and be proud of what i accomplished and everything like that i think is more or less the goal for or not the goal but the the motivation for myself Right on. Yeah, I, I think that speaks to something that's really important to me uh, about this idea is I, I understand that for a group of people to function together properly, there needs to be some type of structure, some type of central decision making core, um, or, or else you're kind of just living in anarchy, which not to say anarchy is outright doomed to fail. Um, but I don't think it's sustainable long term. Uh, and I guess one of my main motivations is to look for a, a structured society that could sustain itself long term. Um, and I, I think what you said is one of the 
the core concepts for me is the ability for the society to not restrict a personal choice that someone wants to make within reason. Uh, if your personal choice is that you want to murder people, uh, that that's going to not probably pan out very well. Um, but just in terms of what you want to do as a career or not as a, uh, it wouldn't be structured the same as a career, I don't think, but just what you want to do with your time, the bulk of your time in the day. Um, I don't think that should, should be limited by the society's rules. Um, because I, I think that freedom of choice should extend to some of the most important choices we make, which is uh, how we spend our time. And I, I think that um, it, to balance the two, to have individual choice and central decision-making uh, isn't an unrealistic thing to ask for. I think it, it just requires a differently structured society. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's definitely something that I'm shooting for. Yeah. Um, now it's actually, it's, it's funny. It plays perfectly into this, but my last day on what, Thursday in anthropology, we were actually talking about political structure and societal structure and the differences and kind of the evolution and stuff. And uh, we touched on going from band to tribe to chiefdom to basically state society and just the differences between them all. And something I want to touch on that regardless of what the finer details look like is key to the whole thing is the scale, right? The, the idea that mass society is dealing with hundreds of millions of people. Now I'm not speaking just like we both live in Canada, so there's only what 37 and a half million people, but mass society as a whole is 8 billion people on the earth where what we're looking for is much more uh it's a lot smaller right and that's i think where you can have that balance between decision making and personal choice because it's not the many overruling the few mm -hmm. yeah definitely um uh i, I think uh, actually it Okay, I'm just going to ask you, do you think it's a good idea to talk uh, in reference to The Dispossessed at all? Uh, for any of the listeners, it's a book that Zach and I have read that is very pertinent to this subject. But I'm curious if that's something that is uh, smart to talk about, Yeah, seeing as some of the probably haven't read it. I feel like references... Oh, we can, yeah, we, no, we... yeah, fine. That's cool. It's yeah, it... we can still reference it. Okay, so... Um, this idea was originally sparked in my head after reading that book um, and the way that the society is set up in the dispossessed is there's uh, no there's no currency uh, so you, you don't work a job for money so that you can feed yourself um, one of the things that the central decision planning committee is responsible for is distribution of food and that it kind of just happens on a um, like however many calories you need is however many calories you get, uh, regardless of how much work you did that day. And obviously it's, it's fiction. So it's tough to say if that would work in, in principle in real life, but, um, it, the, the way that they described it as working in the book is that, uh, because there was no, uh, 
internal motivation, like, oh, I need to make this much money so I can buy this food. Um, all the motivation came societally it, um, because the um, conditions were pretty harsh on the planet they were living on. Uh, so if enough people slacked off, then people would just start starving and dying off because uh, they just wouldn't have enough food. So the, the motivation behind working wasn't self-motivation. It was for the good of the society. Uh, which is kind of like communism, but not, because um, you are working for the the good of the greater whole, but it's not, um, the, the greater whole doesn't actually have a face or an identity. Uh, it's kind of, it, it just is the whole. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and, and the book briefly touched on people who did slack off and, um, it, it kind of seemed like though they were still accepted in the society they were definitely um, just not, not popular people weren't fond of them uh, which is probably just because the type of people who uh, couldn't hold themselves accountable uh, to do the work to, to earn their stay there uh, are just the types of people that are hard to get along with <laughs> in general mm -hmm. but even then again the the idea is that they go and colonize this moon world and it starts out small but eventually develops into a relatively burgeoning society and then the issue they face <clears throat> for the most part is just again on scale it's just they have so many people that yeah you're gonna get when you have a million people you're gonna have those that don't want to work that are just naturally lazy people right but otherwise, as you said, it is fiction, so the, how it'll play out is yet to be determined, but for the most part, it runs quite smoothly. Um, yeah, it's a good... And to make another reference to a popular television show, the idea that you touched on how they, the motivation to work isn't personal, but it's societal... <clears throat> Sorry, I've got some crap in my chest. Um, in, Rick, in Rick and Morty, there's an episode where they're describing... A mini verse and the the line i want to quote is it's like they work for themselves it's not slavery they're working for themselves and so it's the whole idea that the literally the rising tide raises all ships if you work together and as a as a group everybody will benefit <clears throat> that should be better all right yeah so we've uh sort of brought that in um and you you mentioned the word commune and this is one thing that i've wanted to touch on and i wasn't sure if we should start there or not but there's a lot of baggage associated with that word um yeah most of it yeah. being negative and so <laughs> i want to touch first That's not who you talk to but yeah <laughs> i want to start first i guess with what your personal like quick one minute thought on what a commune is and then maybe um discuss the idea of whether or not what we're going for would resemble a commune or if you would prefer it a non-mune yeah sure um I, I think commune is a pretty broad word and i think it definitely gets tied up exclusively in uh mid-70s hippie commune uh for the most part but that's not the only type of commune there is um and basically all it is is a society of people who live together and feed themselves and um, 
and make decisions as a community. And specifically for hippie communes, um, I, I think the reason that that uh, context has a, a bad reputation is because the people who ended up on communes uh, during the hippie era uh, were kind of directionless people. Uh, and, and they were upset at their government and they were just like, fuck this. I just want to escape from this, this government and just do my own thing. Um, but after they did that, they didn't really have a, a, a step number two. It was just like, okay, now I, I live apart from the rest of society. Um, what do I do now? And then it devolved into what humans always do when they're bored, which is just a lot of fucking much fucking yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and so yeah I, I think that's that's why communes of the past were kind of just a one-off not very successful um it's kind of something that happened uh is because they were were largely directionless whereas i think alternative societies of of the present and what i hope ours is uh, will become is something that does have a direction, something that's not cutting themselves off from the rest of the world on purpose to escape from them, um, but to actually be a model for uh, different structures and and kind of provide a framework for if other people want to have a similar lifestyle, how they can accomplish it effectively. Uh, and I think having that direction is something that will keep this functioning smoothly uh i mean that won't help with the the nitty-gritty details of it but it will uh give everyone a, a sense of working together towards something uh which i think is really important mm -hmm. for for teamwork yeah yeah i i uh the and I like how you mentioned the hippie communes because when I use the word commune and people have beef with it, it's generally not for those that reason. It's because it's live. It's half of the portion of communism or communist, and uh -huh. that also has just a massive amount of negative baggage. And you know what? Yeah, the Soviets didn't do a great job of building up the notion of good communism. I'm not going to deny that, but what needs to be also stated is that they didn't really do communism. It was a totalitarian regime. And so it's just a mislabeling, I think. And the idea of a, of a smooth running commune is just that it's a community of people. And I, I like how you use the term alternative society, because that is what it is. It's just a difference in ideology, I guess, but instead of just putting up with it, we're going to try to make, make it, I guess, make a difference. Right. Uh -huh. <clears throat> um, do you want to touch on uh, what you think the Soviets did wrong and, and how a different communist society could correct those errors? Yeah, so the big, the big thing, if you read, and now I haven't, so if I do get some of the finer details wrong, I do apologize to anybody who has read um, Karl Marx and Engels in the past, but my understanding is that the idea of true communism that was laid out by Marx is that the 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 poor people and the, the the mass people rise up and overthrow the the leadership effectively, and then when they have this 
equal state set up with perfect equality and everything like that, the leadership at the top dissolves. And what happened is the Bolshevik revolution that that occurred. They had a leadership core that spurred the spurred the revolution, and they got they got what they wanted. But then the leadership didn't dissolve, and it evolved into a totalitarian regime where first Lenin and then Stalin and then this series of successors you got Brezhnev and Gorbachev and all those people that followed they they held on to the power and it became a dictatorship and the issue there is that they just didn't relinquish it it the power should go back to the people and then in essence it it is a bit decentralized and it's hard to say what would happen because I've, nobody's ever seen it happen but ideally power goes back to the people and it just turns into uh, who knows what but for this for for what our little commune would be would effectively be a small group of people and there might be some sort of leadership there might be a permanent leadership group it might not be communist in the traditional sense of the word um, or it might be that there's a leadership group until we can get the everything up and running and then it dissolves and it turns into either a council or something like that but there's obviously the Soviets did a lot of things wrong, but the, the big thing from the societal standpoint was that they didn't have that dissolution of power after the revolution was achieved. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious. I want to go back because I'm, I'm wondering, um, you know, what factors led to that most prominently. Um, obviously, there's, there's many things that made these people want to hold on to this power. But to me, it seems like the biggest one is, or the reason that they could hold on to the power is, again, because of the scale. Uh, I, I think that, obviously, if, if we were a group of 50 people living in a small little village and one person decided they wanted to be Stalin and have power over these 50 people, um, just because of the scale of that, it just wouldn't work because the other 49 people would be like, uh... <laughs> No, that's not gonna. That's not gonna work. Uh, and they they would be able to overthrow that super easily because it's it's so uh, right in front of you. It's it's so accessible. Yeah. Uh, whereas with the scale, uh, the size of the Soviet Union, uh, you you just you just can't access uh, anything that would help you overthrow Stalin because he's so distant from you. Well, yeah. And, and the scale is so large that. Um, you're just a drop in the bucket. Yeah, and I mean, he also had an army. <laughs> Sorry, I, I missed that. I said he also had a military army, right? Like, oh, you look yeah. at, and that again goes to the scale where the Bolsheviks were overthrowing, uh, like basically a monarchy, so they needed a military force. Where for us, not only is there no revolutionary overthrow, but we, an army of what, like, uh, if there, if like you said, fifty people what 30 people in the army 20 people 10 people like <laughs> yeah so yeah. um so yeah I, I think that's um if uh societies like ours do become a framework for uh effective functioning societies in the future i think that will be an important thing to bear in mind is uh no matter how well your laws are set up no matter how well uh, you know your your workforce is set up and your education and all of that. Uh, if the second you start trying to expand that into numbers of millions of people, it just not it can't it can't function the same way mm -hmm. as it could in a 
group of people. Um, so, yeah, I'm wondering where where the line is between that and anarchy, because effectively, if Canada switched over to that right now, if um, if Edmonton was just its own community, it didn't have Alberta laws, it didn't have federal laws, it was just Edmonton. Um, that that would seem a lot like anarchy all of a sudden. Um, so yeah, I'm curious if you have any thoughts on the the differences between the two, or or how we could transition effectively without it going a little awry. Well, the nice thing is, I I think the key thing is that there is no transition. It won't be a shift from one to the other where a change is required. That not completely true. There will be a change from going ideally say we're living now in mass society and then we go into our alternative society that will be the only change but we can effectively set up what we want from day one and then we don't have to worry about having a set of laws and then a revolution and then all of a sudden we're using a different set of laws like two months in kind of thing right so we can if we have say there's you and me in a group of 18 other people so there's 20 of us we can sit down on day one and say let's hash this out how do we want this to work what's the what are the laws what are the is is there private property is there traffic laws what are the use rules for garbage what are the rules for food and who's doing what work like everything can be established on day one and then everything Uh is clear there won't be that that transition where you might have some people disagreeing or not liking it and the other thing and this is something I was thinking, actually, is the idea that it, this is largely an experiment. It, it, it has been done before by other people, but for you and me and whoever else, it will be an experiment. It will probably be a first time. And whether it's a monthly or a weekly or a, a quarterly thing, I was really playing with the idea of actually doing transitions on purpose and trying something out and then changing it or changing parts of it to see what works better. If we don't like how this works, then we can change it. If we try something and it does, we don't like it, we can go back, things like that, and just constantly experiment with it. I really like that. Um, I'm gonna gonna be a nerd for a minute and relate this to physics. Um, I'm in a astronomy class right now that focuses uh, on stellar evolution and uh, we talk about um, hydrostatic equilibrium, which is basically when the, the pressure of the star uh, outwards is balanced by the, the gravitational force inwards, uh, which is what prevents a star from collapsing. Um, and when we do our idealized math, we like to pretend that it is literally in equilibrium, things just don't change, and and that it stays the same, but in reality, uh, it's actually in a um, dynamic instability mm-hmm. at all times. Uh, so stuff is changing uh, at some points in the star. Uh, pressure in a certain area weakens, and it starts collapsing a bit, but then there's kind of self-corrective um, things that happen from there uh, that, that correct those forces. Um, and yeah, so in the same way if our society does have some instabilities 
the fact that it's dy dynamic will ensure that they can be um, dealt with right away instead of perpetuating themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I don't want to jump too far ahead, and, and this might be the topic for the fu uh, like a future thing, but as far as like a leadership structure goes, the actual nitty-gritty of is it going to be a democracy or what, even in the idea of the spirit of change, in, in say it's like a, a tribal type thing where you have one head figure that is proposing decisions and then everybody else is deciding, it's like every week or every month a new person is in the driver's seat. And, and that change happens no matter what. And even if the person isn't really a leader per se, they still get a turn because then they are the ones with their voice heard or something, right? But just that constantly experimenting to try to find what's new because I like to use this analogy with music all the time. We're not really an analogy, but you don't know you don't like a band until you've heard them. And you don't know what your favorite band is until you've heard them. And your favorite band might be out there and you haven't listened to them yet. And you can't say they are or aren't until you've tried it. And so as far as leadership and breakdown and like everything in, encompassing this this society i feel like that that idea of constant experiment just trying new things for the sake of it not only will uh -huh. it keep you on your toes but it will keep it i guess evolving and pushing forward into the most streamlined and the most efficient setup that we could achieve <clears throat> yeah um are you done with that topic? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, I wanted to talk about, I listened to a TED Talk last night, and it, it sparked a lot of thoughts in my head. Uh, and it was about uh, the transition from, the, the transition of the working class. Uh, at some point, the working class was uh, lots of artisans. They, they made everything that they used. Um, even as far back as tribal people, uh, the working class would be people who made spears and went hunting and stuff like that. Um, and then as that evolved over time, it became uh, a lot of agricultural working class and then factory working class. Um, and then with uh, a lot of automations that came in just the last little bit, uh, there wasn't as much need for an actual physical labor working class or people in factories making goods because uh, there can be machines to do that for us. Um, and basically what happened is is people just kind of panicked and were like, oh, shit, what are we going to do with all these people who need something to do? Um, and, and people just kind of came up with jobs uh, and, and created work for people to do so that we uh, would have to be busy uh, doing something. Uh, and, and that turned into a, a lot of jobs like uh, accountant. And uh, obviously it's important to have people to balance stuff in the economy that we live in. Um, but th there, there was a lot of excess jobs that aren't necessary at all. And they kind of just came out of nowhere. And so the, what the TED Talk was about was this guy speculating, you know, what, what happens when accounting is automated as well, and uh, we don't need people to balance that side of, of the working force either, um, and, and it's going to keep 
going on. Like robots are just going to keep getting better and better at different tasks, and all of a sudden there there isn't going to be any work to do. And he was speculating um, what would be left for humans, and uh, honestly, he he left it very open ended in the in the podcast, which is why it filled me with so many ideas, because I, I'm really curious to think about what jobs a, a human would, will forever do better than a robot. Um, and those are jobs that I, I think would be really valuable to our society. Uh, cause I, I think it's things like, um, interpersonal connection and, uh, humanitarian based things that a, a robot will never be better than humans at. Um, and I, I think it's a valuable thing to have as a focus of a society because I, um, just that, that sense of community and that sense of self-worth uh, that's associated with uh, interpersonal connections is kind of what, what makes humans humans. Um, and I, I think we've slowly been drifting away from that uh, as a as a global community and I think that's why uh, there's lots of loneliness and lots of disconnect is uh, because people feel we're, we're losing our humanity uh, because we we've we've begun we've started to think that um, jobs like labor jobs factory jobs business jobs are what defines a society, what keeps a society functioning, and that's taken us away from what really does keep a society functioning, which is um, building connections between people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, um, curiosity, what curiosity podcast was that? Podcast. Or TED Talk, sorry. Uh, uh, give me a second. Um, Uh, Andrew McAfee, what will future jobs look like? Okay. Cause... Or, wait, no, why jobs of the future won't feel like work. Oh, okay. I guess, I guess there's two of them. The second one is the one I listened to. Okay. I have to listen to the second one. Yeah, because I, I actually just listened to a TED Talk the other day. It was a quick, I think, seven-minute long one. And it was a guy talking about pretty much the same thing. And honestly, it might have been the same thing. I can't remember what the title of the one I listened to was. But he just talked about the idea of to make work not feel like work and with the idea of robotics taking over and the loss of jobs people need to start basically finding their passions and now i'm i know everybody's said this before oh to make a career you want to do basically get paid to do what you your passion is but basically he described it as take whatever it is that you like to do on the weekends uh, your hobbies that you do on the weekend and somehow incorporate that into work and I, I can't remember the specific examples he gave, but he did basically workshops in business places where he had people that did pretty mundane office type jobs, but he brought, he had them bring what it is that they did in, on their weekends and stuff into work and then had them for, I don't know, a week or whatever the length of this was, do that stuff in a work setting and he he said it was phenomenal the feedback and the the productivity and everything that the people had and they they were happy he said the one guy 
that he describes basically said, this is the hardest I've worked at my job in, I can't, like, however long, but it didn't feel like work. And I think Uh that's, that's the most important thing. And so with this society, I guess if we're speaking specifically on that, the idea of the jobs is that you're not working a job to make money, to go home, to pay for your TV to, or your food or your, your house itself, right? You're working to, you're working to live and you're not living to work, right? Um, And whatever that might be, you're contributing, you're making a contribution, but at the end of the day, you can tangibly see what it is. And ideally, if you have this group of people that, that you have passions or specific, specific skills that you bring, you'll be able to implement that in a manner that is beneficial to you and the group, right? So uh-huh. if, if you're a horticulturalist and you love growing food, well, then hells yeah, let's grow some food. If you are an artist and that is what you do, well, you've just been promoted to chief architect or something, right? Like, yeah. however it shakes out, I think that's the idea is how you describe Pete and the idea just to find the passion and put the passion into the work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to say that that is the podcast I listened to, and that one was from David Lee. In case anyone wants to listen to that, right, right, yeah, um, yeah, and, and I think that that comes back to what, um, what I was talking about about the difference between societal motivations and individual motivations. I think the societal motivation to it is, you know, what keeps people. Um, responsible and accountable to continue working Um, but as far as what that work is I I think that should very much maintain an individual motivation Um, uh, but the the motivation isn't uh, it'll never come from I want this job because of prestige or because I'll make more money the only basis that you can you can focus it around is what you actually want to do. There just won't be any other motivations available to you. Um, and uh, I, I think that as the as technology keeps expanding, that's going to become more and more possible for us to do effectively. Uh, obviously, back in if we were trying to do this in the 1500s, uh, there'd be someone who's like, "Oh, I really like music, and I just want to play music all day." And we'd be like, we love that you love music, but we need every single hand in the field uh, to, to make sure we have enough food. Um, whereas I think as technology keeps getting better and better, there's less people required to, to be producing the food. Uh, so there is a lot more opportunity uh, for people to explore what they want to be exploring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well said. The It's, it's, we are afforded an efficiency like never before due to the technology. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's something I, I had in the back of my mind, but I can't think of what it is now. (laughs) The worst. Uh, either this podcast is going to require a lot of editing or there's just going to be a lot of candid moments like this where we just kind of take a break um, from the topic at hand and just kind of let things sink in a bit. Which is never a bad thing. And I think 
one one thing and this is gonna sound cheesy as shit and honestly a lot of the emails that i get are cheesy as shit but i i'm subscribed to it's called i can't even remember what the name of it is less is more or something but this woman she's written books and does a blog about just how to take back your life and one of the things today that it was puttering just the idea of puttering and not accomplishing anything but just being relaxed and aimless and how that's good for you and whatever else and so the idea that this podcast has those puttering meandering moments where nothing's really happening you know what that's okay because i think one of the things with the the idea of the society is that that's also going to be okay you'll have stuff you need to get done but the idea is that you don't need to be 24 7 productive to survive you you're gonna have opportunities to be you and just you know hang out and relax and revel in the silence um yeah definitely if you if you has that thought come back to you um kind of yeah um but i want to keep talking about this actually while we're talking about it because this does actually interest me (laughs) okay good um because i i used to listen to podcasts on 1.5 speed or sometimes even uh, double speed depending on who was talking and how slowly they talked um because and my mindset behind that was i just need to finish as many podcasts as possible if i just jam all this information in there i'll be better for it <laughs> um <laughs> and that went on for a while uh and honestly maybe at the time maybe i did just need to jam a lot of information in there um but i know now i've definitely come to a point where I agree that less is more because uh, the more information I keep jamming in there, the more I have to ruminate over. And it, it just seems like a lot of my thoughts, I just don't have time to get to them because I just have too many things to think about now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I tried listening to a podcast on a faster speed recently again. And I was like, oh, this is terrible because I just didn't have any time to process the stuff I was listening to I heard it I was like oh that's good information that's really interesting and then all of a sudden the podcasters were on to the next topic and I hadn't really let my brain digest what I had just heard um so yeah I'm okay with some silences have some people have some time to digest what we're talking about kind of put their own uh perspectives into it yeah and it and and I think the whole at least the hope is that this is is going to sound maybe not the most tactfully worded way, but I think the goal for this podcast is not only for us to flesh out our ideas and kind of get a framework for what we're after, but also as like a mini recruitment type thing that if people listen to this and they hear it and they feel inspired or intrigued or interested or they're thinking the same things, then that's it's a vehicle to get in contact because I could go on Twitter and say, hey, I want to start an alternative society and hopefully that gets out to enough people but this is a good way to do it in an efficient manner and like you said let that thought ruminate if we say something and there's a silence you can think about it get your own thought do you agree do you disagree Mm -hmm. like whatever it is yeah yeah uh speaking of which um we don't have anything set up yet but i will probably set up some type of social media for this uh and we'll definitely have an email Mm -hmm. um so all of that information will be hopefully ready for the next episode. For anyone who's wondering how they can get in contact with us, if we are sparking any interest in you, 
whether this is something you've thought about before and something you're seriously interested in considering, or if it's just if, if it's a new idea to you and to you it's kind of a thought experiment. And but you have something to add. Uh, no matter what, we we definitely would love to hear from you. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, um, yeah. It's interesting. We're recording this podcast before we've done literally anything else, and there's. <laughs> And so, yeah, we don't have a name for the, the podcast or the overarching idea. We have no contact information. Uh, as you can tell, we're ha- we this isn't the most professionally recorded. If we if we decide to keep it in, there's a little bit of a choppy section at the beginning. So we're just kind of we're just kind of going with it. <laughs> um, which I think is a good model and a good representation of of our ideology in itself. Um, if there's some choppy moments along the way when we're building this society, you know, we just kind of got to go with that. We just got to accept it for what it is. Uh, everyone's kind of got to hold that turd for a little bit. Um, <laughs> uh, and then we, we can just move on in an organic, natural way. Yeah, well, exactly. That's a good way to, to put it because, I mean, if we're, mo- as you put it, I think moving into the middle of nowhere and starting a society nothing Mm -hmm. is going to be perfect if ever but for a long time and so that's that's not only something that we're just going to have to live with but something we should almost revel in is that that unique character and that not anarchist but that little bit of a chaotic nature is it can sometimes be fun what's life without whimsy Mm um that really interests me this same concept uh out of the 120 questions or whatever on the Myers-Briggs um this a question based around this concept is like 15 of those like over 10 percent of the questions is just a question about um do you function better with careful planning or uh just by uh improvising Mm. on the spot Mm -hmm. um and obviously I, I think it would be best to have a balance of those two things uh, and if we ever do, well, I want to say if because this is pretty serious for me. When we actually do uh, start the society and move out there, obviously we will go with a bit of a plan. Um, we will make sure that we have people with certain skills that we need, people who can build houses and enough food to last us until we can plant a garden and whatever. Um, so we will be tackling it with some sort of plan, but in the end, uh, I, I think what's going to be much more beneficial for us is our ability to act on our toes because once we're out there, we don't know what the fuck's going to happen. Um, and we, we have to be able to respond to that. So, I mean, we could have came into this podcast with a plan, um, but by the time we started it, we wouldn't know what the fuck was going to happen. Yeah. Well, and, <laughs> Anyways. And to, to build off of what you just said, we it was a balance and i'm gonna say it's more of the improv side but we had an idea where this is what we want we had a, I had a couple notes written out and a couple points to cover and that's about it and then we're just kind of uh-huh. going with it yes 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 mm-hmm. <clears throat> um i just want to touch a bit on uh, the types of perspective that I, I hope people will bring to the society, the, the types of people that I think would belong somewhere like this. Um, and I, I think one of the central values 
is um, is I always get the two mixed up. Is it empathy or sympathy? Whichever one is one of them is you can relate because you've had that experience, and one of them is you can relate uh, just because you you even though you haven't had that experience, you can put them yourself in those shoes. Uh, I can't remember which one's which, but the second one is the one that I think is super valuable to this, um, because I, I do hope we have a broad spectrum of people who are interested. Uh, and the best thing about people is, is we all have differing opinions on things. And uh, it, instead of having kind of like a melting pot where we're like, okay, we have this person and this person and they disagree on these two things, so let's have the society just kind of be a happy medium uh, of their opinions or, you know, we just settle on one thing. Uh, I, I don't like that concept at all. I think much more valuable is if everyone has an ability to look objectively at someone else's opinion and say, I see where you're coming from with that. I understand why that's something that you value. I still value this other thing, but that's okay. We can still live in harmony. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and yeah, I, I think that comes from a place of just being able to uh, reach your perspective outside of your personal experience, uh, which is unfortunately kind of a rare trait, but I do think it's a really important one to uh to something like this being successful yeah i think well first off i think the the answer you're looking for was empathy for 200 and excellent and i i the way you worded it that it's a rare trait that objective lens you can look through i would say it's rare in its appearances but i wouldn't necessarily call it rare in people i think it's just dormant right i don't know if mm-hmm. and this may be a reflection of my view that society people are inherently good or not or whatever but i think the objectivity isn't necessarily that people lack it it's that they don't know how to cultivate or don't know how to use it or haven't had something to to spark that and then at the end and maybe that's not true and people some people just can't look objectively because they're so wrapped in their own lens right or whatever it is but i agree that ability to to work with each other as human beings, not not agree to disagree and just compromise for the sake of it, but to to really be a human being and let that other person be a human being and have that respect between each other. That is, yeah, very important. Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah, that's that's super interesting. I'm glad you said that because um, I I think uh, one of the reasons that it would lie dormant is because. Uh, um, our current world kind of values success and values uh, being right or winning and competitiveness. Um, And that's kind of bred people with a lot of self-righteousness and a lot of conviction. Um, And so even, even if they, there's piles and piles and piles of evidence against something that they believe in uh, just out of their own sheer will to stick to their guns, uh it they they just that that's what's preventing them from uh seeing the other perspective is because they're so um determined to to prove their own self-worth and their the uh, prove that 
value um, because we've we've kind of made it shameful to admit that you're wrong and say, oh, oh yeah, I've changed my mind because I, I do think I, I made a mistake. I, I think I, I'm glad that I see this new perspective now because I think my old perspective was bad. That's just really hard to do because we, we built it up such that, that that's a, a bad thing to happen to you. Yeah. And I don't like that. <laughs> no, and, and it's a perfect way to put it because, honestly, there's even situations where you're in a social situation and say you have a, a little argument and you both present your sides. And then it, even if you do genuinely agree, like person X has convinced me of whatever it is, and I'll be like, no, like I, honestly, I, I agree with you now. You've, I've changed my mind they don't believe you they they think you're being the ass and being sarcastic or whatever but it's even if you are genuine because like you said there's this built-up thing where people people don't actually think that can happen uh-huh. and it's like no i genuinely yeah. you just presented me with an argument and i'm i genuinely am on board with that so uh-huh. and yeah i think that reaches to a, a lot of places i've even found myself even lately, even with all the personal progress I think I've made in the last little bit, uh, doing stuff like that, uh, not so much with uh, opinions and perspectives anymore, but um, being being very uh, adamant that I don't like something, um, saying, like, I don't like beets, they're terrible, I think they're disgusting, I never want to eat them, <laughs> and then... <laughs> And then my brother made me a beet salad. It had beets and apples and uh, feta cheese, I think. Um, and I don't know what the dressing was made out of, but there's some dill and it was creamy. Um, but the main thing was beets. And I was eating this beet salad after so adamantly declaring that I hate beets. And the salad was pretty good. But I, I think... I even psyched myself out of enjoying it as much as I could have. I think if I went into it with, you know, beets haven't sat well with me before, but I'm open to the idea of me liking them in the future, I think I would have set myself up to enjoy the salad much more than I did. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's definitely, it, I don't know what it is about us personally, but it's it's something that's, definitely lot definitely lodged deep in lots of people's psyche is yeah. to just uh stick to your guns yeah yeah <clears throat> i think that prevailing mindset is what a lot of people have a problem with kale as well <laughs> <laughs> but that is completely unrelated to kind of focus back in on what we're what we're trying to get at i guess is just the the prevailing mindset and the attitudes we're looking for i guess with people and and the whole project as a whole would just be that objectivity right the ability to say well i mean that's what the whole project is based on we're looking at something and saying i don't like this i don't want this i don't agree with this let's how can i go about making a change right and Uh and I want to try this. Oh, it didn't work. Let's try something else. Oh, it didn't work. Let's try something else. That ability to, oh, oh, Pete, you had a good idea. Even though I don't necessarily think that's the best way to build a windmill, let's try it out. Or, no, I don't think we should plant our garden in rows of four by eight. I think we should do it in five by six. Like, things like that is is a very good point. Yeah. Um, 
think that um, that will be one of the most interesting things to see if we can accomplish is uh, just kind of a, a redefining of emotions um, because that's definitely something that uh, people have a hard time accessing and a hard time manipulating. Um, manipulating might not be the right word, but um, it, it's more out of our control than a lot of cognitive processes because um, uh, sometimes that opposition is a very emotional experience. It's not coming from a logical place. Um, and sometimes when emotions get triggered, they just kind of uh, take the steering wheel and do their own thing. Um, so yeah, it'll be really interesting to see if we can, just in the way that we set up our society and the way that we treat each other, if we can reverse uh, those accidental triggers of emotions um, and and have people be, um, or uh, yeah, people will be more in control of it, but not because they have lots of internal ability to control their emotions, but because um, they they have a space where they can deal with them uh, safely. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, that's kind of my core value. Uh, I, and I have a couple other ones, but I think I will be saving those for future episodes. But do you have one core thing that you want to touch on? I guess, yeah, if I was going to pick one, one thing, it would be, and I don't know if conviction or determination is the right one. But just that, that drive and that desire, right? For me, it's not – this whole project isn't something I'm doing because I feel like I want, I'm want i bored or something. It's I want to do this because I feel it's, it's right, and I want to make it work, and I'm willing to put everything on the line and put that effort in. And, and make sacrifices is the biggest thing, right? I'm, if, if this – when this happens, and it, it's a huge step, and – you need to be able you need to be willing to make sacrifices and push through them right and so i guess not only the ability for you having that object that objectivity and then behind that the ability to see something and and change your mind or look at it from somebody else's perspective but then behind it the ability to put your nose to the grindstone and let's let's make it happen right cuz talk is cheap and actually doing it is a whole other thing mm-hmm. I think that's why we make a good partnership right there. <laughs> um, because talk is cheap in some senses, but I also value my words a lot more than my actions sometimes. Um, uh, so I think the balance of us two uh, really drives home that duality of talking about it and then also acting on it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think you're a lot more on the action side, which is why I love you. Hey, fair enough. And I, God knows I do need somebody to actually stop and think about something but instead of just <laughs> doing, because I, I honestly do. Yep. <laughs> um, and I, I, knowing myself, I do, um, I am actionable, 
once it's kind of been ignited. Like if, if I see Zach doing something, then I'm like, yeah, I'm all over that. I can get it done. I do have that drive. Um, but that's a lot more externally motivated for me. Yeah, fair um, so it's, it's nice to have that for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> um, we're coming up on an hour. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, do you have any more, any other major key points that you wanted to touch on that? Uh, nothing about the society for now. Mm. Um, but just kind of, um, talking, talking business, I think. Uh, from now on, episodes should be relatively short. I think this intro one is a bit of an exception. Yeah. Uh, but I think from now on, we should try and pick topics that we can crush out in 15 to 20 minutes uh, and and make sure they're focused enough that they uh, they can't drag on like this. Yeah. Not that I, this drag on, but you know. Yeah. And I was, that's what I was going to say as well, just in closing, is that for those of you, if you did listen to this and you made it this far congratulations <laughs> but uh yeah seriously <laughs> this this episode did kind of meander a little bit because we just wanted to kind of get things started we wanted to get some ideas out there get the idea the central idea out there um a bit of an introduction i guess on the two of us but as well like pete said we're going to be focusing in a lot more now um getting into the nitty-gritty details on very specific things and what we say on this podcast in the in the spirit of that objective lens we are going to have ideas and they're honestly they're probably going to change whatever we say now on this podcast as the baseline idea is i can almost guarantee you not what's going to be implemented um not only through our own cultivation of ideas and changes but if people other people that come forward and have ideas and present things then yeah it'll change and as as we get closer to like i don't know if it, we're gonna call it day zero or whatever the hell um <laughs> things will change that that just happens so dynamic instabilities my friend there it is there it is <laughs> is that a, is that a name oh, for, <laughs> for, for what then this this podcast this one episode maybe <laughs> the whole uh... thing Oh man, I just realized we have to name episodes too. We yeah. can't even fucking name the society or the podcast. <laughs> now we gotta name every episode. The, the, <laughs> the episodes are easy to do. Alright, I that, believe you. That I have. the pod pro. Yeah, I've got practice in, in, in case that. You didn't, in case you didn't know it, you can check them out at Turning the Waters. Oh <laughs> shit. Yeah, I guess I might as well plug myself while I'm at it. I do have a podcast. <laughs> Um, yeah, charting the waters. If you're interested, me and my roommate do a podcast on what it is to be a human and live this life. So check it out if you're bored. Yeah, I I can speak to it and say that uh, a couple of suggestions they made and a couple of things they've talked about have definitely changed my life for the better. Uh, they talk about benefits of uh, different habits you can have in your life. Uh, some of them are really far out there, like cold showers. Fuck yeah. Uh, didn't think didn't think that was going to be a thing for me. Uh, it is. I love them. Um, and some of them are, are really obvious, uh, like yoga and eating well. Um, but sometimes it helps to hear it. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I highly recommend it because uh, uh, it, it's had lots of positive impacts in my life, for sure. Good. 
All right. Well, I guess we can conclude on that note. Plugging a totally yeah. different podcast. It's very professional. <laughs> uh, yeah, like we said, the next ones are gonna be more focused. I had to, I had to get all my unfocused shit out of out of the way mm-hmm. um, while I could. Yeah, and and I guess as well, just to finish with, as Pete said, by the time this comes out, we will have an email for sure, probably some social media links, uh, presence of some sort. A name, definitely a name. Um, and so please contact us if you have ideas, if you have information, links. Um, there's tons of different societies and things like this out there. Um, if you have seen or researched one and you think it's got good ideas or you whatever, feel free to send us information, please. We crave it. We both love to learn as individuals. And so we will soak that shit up. But uh, yes. Uh, I guess my final note will be a plug that is more related to this, or a couple plugs. Um, I'll probably be suggesting things throughout uh, the podcast, but just right off the bat, uh, the book I mentioned earlier, The Dispossessed by Ursula Le Guin, is a great read. Um, There's a documentary available for free on YouTube called Paths Through Utopia, uh, and it just explores lots of different setups, lots of different societies. Uh, what they do that's successful. Um, And the third thing uh, is one of my favorite examples of people who are doing this right now successfully, uh, Kalu Yala. Um, It's it's based, the the central focus of it is a study abroad opportunity, Um, but you're you're studying in this society that's removed um, and you get get a chance to learn in an isolated uh, situation uh, where, where you're kind of fending for yourself in the middle of nowhere. Um, and I, I think these people are a great model and a great inspiration for what I hope to do eventually. Uh, so yeah, check out those three things if you're interested. And I will definitely be bringing more suggestions like that in the future. Good show. All right, well, bye. Peace, yo.